Hi, my name is Paul Crandall, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sunrise Church. Our vision is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, which means our hope is that you would take one step closer to Jesus after watching this service. Whether that step is from interest to curiosity or from one level of commitment to a deeper level of commitment, whatever that is, we want to respect the pace of your spiritual journey and we want to help in making that next step. In fact, personally, I want to help as well. You can email me after the service at paulc.isunrise.com. That's my personal account and I would love to know how I can help you take one step closer to Jesus. I believe after watching the service, you're going to find that our church is a safe place to hear a life-changing message. So please enjoy the content you're about to view and email us so we know how we can help you take your next step closer to Jesus. jump into our, our message here as we walk through uh, the writings of Luke and focusing on the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, we felt as a pastoral staff it was uh, appropriate to take a pause just in our service. Maybe you've heard about the devastation that's happened on the island of Maui and just everything that's kind of transpiring uh, there. We had friends there, church friends there, uh, part of our church family there. Um, they actually had to leave their hotel because they ran out of food and a church took them in and I think they're on their way back home, and I'm sure you've got friends, maybe family members or anything like that, and um, I know we're still trying to even assess what the damage is, and so we wanted to take a pause just in a posture of empathy, you know, and, and pray, pray for the island, pray for um, just the emergency response to that. If you are, you know, you saw the news or whatever, and maybe you responded, my daughter, her first response when we heard of everything, she was like, Dad, what do we do? How can we help? You know, and I was like, wow. I love that. And maybe that's your posture too. Like, what can I do? Uh, we as a church are going to try to figure out a good channel and an avenue. If you are eager to help and are able to help, we would love to set up an opportunity for you to do that. So just know we're evaluating different options. We've been given some options uh, from some people. Uh, right now, I think our main focus is that church that happened to take in one of our church members. We want to talk to them and say, hey, what, what, how can we support you as you seek to provide relief uh, over this. So I want to take a moment just to pause and pray and uh, just know we as a church will be coming out with a pathway for you. You can choose any pathway you want, of course, but a pathway for you if you want to get engaged in helping out uh, in that area. So let's just take a moment. Let's pray. You can pray in the silence of your own heart. You can pray out loud however you want to pray. God's going to hear you. And we believe God can move in a powerful way to do some awesome things and just give people peace in a time of great pain. So let's pray. Father, we, uh, we know you're grieving. Uh, we know your heart is breaking. As you see your creation in pain, you see your creation hurting. On that island, so many image bearers. Every human on that island is an image bearer. And uh, they bear your image, they're your creation, you are fond of them and you love them. And anytime we experience pain, loss and tragedy, your heart breaks. And so Father, we, just, we come alongside of you in your, in your grief, in the pain that you feel. We're so thankful 
that you're a loving father who cares for us and who can take just really bad, nasty moments and turn them into good things. That you're, you're, you're the God who can not only heal our broken bones, but make those bones even stronger. And so, Father, that's what we pray over the island right now. Would you give wisdom? Would you give clarity? Would you give comfort like only you can? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how you experience grief without having God in your life. I don't know. And so, Father, I pray you give comfort. And, and we can give aid and we can rebuild and we can do those things. But the mending of heart, Holy Spirit, that's the work that you got to do. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just start your work now. Start your work now in the hearts of so many. And I pray that this moment will turn into a moment where we say, man, look at how God was faithful in these moments. And how God just really changed the eternity of so many on the island and, and use this terrible moment for something great and something good. Give us wisdom, too, as a team, that we may give the best pathway for our people to seek to help out in a way that is wise and is right. So in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So as we can, yes, hit me. Oh, I got you, dude. I got you. Um, as we jump into this series, you know, we've been, we've been, well, walking through the series for a while. And as we've been navigating through the book of Acts, that's one of the writings of Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. And as you walk through the book of Acts, I don't know what your experience is, but I know walking through it, especially for the first time, if, if it's the first time you're walking through some of, some of these stories, I almost feel like um, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, okay, somebody else knows what I'm talking about. First service is like, what? I was like, man, I got to update my illustrations. Yeah, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, they, they, they got it. But when you read the book of Acts, it's, it's a little different. It's like voices and angels and dreams, oh my. It seems like the way God guides his church is through these just dramatic supernatural moments. Where an angel will come down and be like, go do this, right? Or they'll have this crazy vision. He's like, hey, go do this. Or the Holy Spirit in a direct audible voice will say, hey, set these people apart. Let them go that way. Or even at times where God says, no, stop. And we see all these things. And I remember thinking to myself, and I still, I think this is part of my experience, is why don't I always get those things? Visions and dreams and angels and voices. Now, maybe God knows, Paul, you'd be more afraid of those than lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And that's why I don't give you those things, because they would terrify you instead of actually guide you. Well, here's what I think what happens when we read the scriptures, and I think it's great that those moments are there. I think sometimes we read them, and it makes us think that we should wait to move until we get those. Like, hey, I'm just going to wait in the sidelines until I get a dream, I get a vision, I get an angel, I get a voice, and then I'll go. And let me tell you, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. I was talking with a buddy of mine when I was living in Louisville, Kentucky. He was in grad school and I was working at UPS and I had this guy working for me at UPS. He was a follower of Jesus Christ and we got off the shift and we were, you know, just out and about in Louisville. And we saw this guy who was in need. And so 
we started talking. He probably initiated the conversation. He said, hey, do you think we should do something? Be generous to this man and meet, meet him in his time of need. And so we started talking about what that would look like, how that would work, what we should do, and all that. And at one point he said, you know what? I, I don't think we should do anything because I haven't heard from God yet. And I was like, oh, wow, that's okay. Yeah, man. And so I respected that. And he, man, he really has a high value on the guidance of God in his life. And then I was like, wait a second. I was like, I have a question, right? Which is totally, that's the kind of friend I am. I'm the question, I'm the annoying question asker. So if you want one of those friends in your life, if you don't, unlike, unfollow, you know, like. So I just, I just said, hey, man, I got a question real quick. When you say you need to hear from God, what does that mean? Can you unpack that for me? And then I began to realize, like, he literally wanted to hear from God directly, audibly, to be generous. And then we started talking more and he goes, yeah, you know, I don't feel like I should share the gospel with somebody unless God tells me to do it. I'm not going to move until God tells me to go. Uh, I don't think that's right. Like, I don't, I don't see that. But, you know, we read the book of Acts and we see these moments where God's like, go this way. And the guy's like, cool, I'm going this way. Or go this way. Okay, I'm going this way. Or turn around. Okay, I'm turning around. And so we get these moments of this like miraculous divine intervention, God giving specific guidance to his people. And I think we read that and we put ourselves in a posture that my friend was in and we say, I've got to wait before I go. And I think what that does is it sidelines us spiritually. It's like we're, it's like we're sitting at a, at, a, at a green light thinking it's red. And we're just at the intersection. Well, I can't go in yet. God's behind us like honking, eh, 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 move. Because the risen Jesus Christ gave his church a command. Go make disciples of the nations. Go. Go. And you know what God wants us to do? Go be creative. You can obey the Great Commission in so many different ways. Go be creative. Go find your path. Go make disciples. And maybe that just means be nice to your neighbors. Love on them, make them a meal, invite them to church, tell them your story. Or maybe that means selling all your possessions and going to work in Nigeria. Whether it's Nigeria or your neighbors, I think God literally is like, go be creative. Here's my command, here's my commission, go. Go. Don't wait for a green light. You already have it. So what I think we need to do is have a good balance. We want to be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit because there are times he's going to give us like turn-by-turn -turn directions and put us in the perfect spot to share the gospel and do great work. Amen to that. And he's also not going to do that. He's just going to say, go, get out there, and you just go be creative. You don't need a voice, a vision, an angel, or a dream. You can just go. And I want to show you that. Let's go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. We're looking at a guy named Philip. And Philip is a perfect example of this. Philip was very sensitive to the guidance of God's spirit. Very sensitive to it. When God said turn left, he turned left. When God said turn right, he turned right. When God said turn around, he turned around. But he didn't wait for that direct guidance all the time. He was already going. He just saw the world having a giant green light over it. And he was just on mission for God. And when God said turn, 
Then he turned. Here's what I think we're going to learn from the example of Philip. And what I hope we do, every follower of Jesus Christ in this room, this is how I hope you view the rest of your life. So if you're going to write down one thing, I want you to write this down. This is the big idea for today. Here's what I want you to look for. The big idea is this. Look for green arrows, not green lights. Look for green arrows. What I mean is this. You're already going through the inter- intersection. The lights are already green. But if God pops on that turn left green, follow it, man. Follow it. And then just keep going because you got a green. Go through the next intersection and the next intersection. Just keep going. If he throws that green arrow again, you get a vision, you get an angel, you get a voice, you get a dream. Cool. Go follow that. But keep going. What you don't want to do is sit at the intersection thinking it's red when it's green. That's not where you want to be. It's not where Philip was. So let me show you this kind of cool balance of Philip. Because Philip is going to follow the green arrows that God provides. And it's going to put him in the perfect position to share the gospel. I mean, a pretty crazy special situation. And so we need to obey those green arrows. At the same time, he saw the world as a green light to just go. He lived that perfect balance. And I hope that's what we find today as we read through this passage. How we can have a perfect balance to being sensitive to the guidance of God's spirit but also seeing we have a command to go already. Let's jump in together. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes between Jerusalem and Gaza. This is a desert place. That's a green arrow, right? An angel of the Lord goes to Philip and says, Hey, I got some new GPS coordinates for you. I want you to go to the desert. I want you to go on this route between Jerusalem and Gaza. Here's where I want you to go. Now, this is peculiar. This is strange. This is odd. If you've followed kind of the narrative of the book of Acts, what we really see kind of maybe the strategy of the Spirit is to really focus on city centers. That we see the movement of God. It's like what God is doing. is like taking the gospel as like this really big rock. And he's throwing it into the, the middle of the lake. And if you throw the rock in the middle of the lake, you're going to get the biggest ripple. If you throw that really big rock at the shoreline, you're not going to get as much of a ripple. It's going to hit the sand sooner. So the ripple won't be as big. And what we see is God is moving his church. He's kind of throwing these big rocks into these, the center of these cities and... It's making this big wake. But here we have something totally different. This is a really strange place for a ministry opportunity. I want you to go to the desert. And I want you to go on this road. And what does Philip do? Okay. If an angel tells me to do it, here I go. I'm going to go do it. And then he meets on this road a very peculiar and odd individual. Again, what we're seeing here is that Philip is going to follow those green arrows. And when he follows those green arrows, he's going to get these opportunities that are just so incredibly special. Right? Look at the man that he meets in this desert place on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 27. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Now, this is interesting. This is odd here. 
So we have this man, this eunuch from Ethiopia. Now, from what we know of the ancient world and what we know of the modern kind of um, uh, territorial boundaries, this is probably what we would see as modern-day Sudan, not Ethiopia. But this was the edge of the earth to the Greco-Roman world. This part of Africa was considered like the edge. Like you go past and there's dragons and a waterfall and who knows what else, right? That's kind of how they thought. So we have this visitor from the edge of the earth, which is pretty remarkable because the church has really been growing in places that are familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. Jerusalem, Judea, stuff like that. Samaria, we've seen that. But now we've got this like way outsider, this guy on the fringe of what they know of human existence. Beyond him, I, I'm sure they're not even certain if people are out there. But he meets this man, this man from Ethiopia, who's a eunuch. Now this is interesting too. It's interesting that he mentions this. This eunuch is an official in the court of Candace. Now Candace is actually like a royal title. It's probably not her name. It's a royal title. And this person happens to be a very high official. He's in charge of all the treasury. And he's a eunuch because being a eunuch actually made him safe. Okay, I don't want to go into the details of what a eunuch is. Okay, and don't Google that either. Okay, ask your parents or somebody older. A eunuch was somebody who was, who was castrated. And the reason they were castrated is because they were usually in charge of either the harem of the king or they did business with the queen mother. And so being a eunuch made it so they didn't have any inappropriate relationships with the harem or the royal family. So this person is a very high official, very affluent, but has this kind of peculiar uh, situation going on for them. Now, what's interesting about this person, not only all that stuff, it says, but he came to worship, came to Jerusalem to worship. Now, this is even odder. I mean, you've got this guy who's on this road in the desert place of all places who happens to be this super high official that has this very peculiar situation. And why is this person on this road? It's because he's a worshiper of Yahweh. That's really weird. It's really weird because as a eunuch, he couldn't even go into the temple. According to Deuteronomy chapter 23, Moses, as he's giving the code to the people, here's how God wants to be worshipped. There are certain things that would make people ceremonially unclean, and being castrated made you unclean. So this man traveled this long journey not to get into the temple, but just to be near the temple. He was really like window shopping in temple worship. Isn't that crazy? You travel that far. Just to, I mean, imagine traveling all the way to Disney World just to stand at its gates. Yeah, you smell the cotton candy, you hear the fun. Oh, I wonder what they're doing in there, you know? All right, time to go back home. That's remarkable, the devotion that this guy had, right? A worshiper of God. It even gets more peculiar because look what this guy is reading. As he is traveling. Now we think of the scriptures as bound like they are. Like we get all the books in one book. But that's not how they did it in the ancient world. To have a copy of really any of the books would be rare. But this guy happened to have a scroll from the Old Testament. A specific prophet. Look at what he's doing in this chariot as he's just come from Jerusalem. Probably celebrating a festival. This is in verse 28. He was returning... Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet 
Isaiah. This is wild. Because we're going to see the chapter that he's reading. We're going to get there later. He's going to be reading Isaiah chapter 53. But Isaiah just happens to be a very interesting prophet for him to read. And he's later in the prophet Isaiah. We'll see that later. That he'll be reading chapter 53. Because chapter 56 is all about eunuchs. Watch, check this out. This is just remarkable. Isaiah chapter 56. I'm going to read to you verse 3. Again, this is what happens when we follow the green arrows of God. When we see that green arrow and God says, hey, turn this way. I want you to go to a desert place. Are you sure? Sounds like a bad strategy. Shouldn't I go to a city center? No, go that way. Okay. Then you're going to see there's this person that you're going to meet there, and they are out of your um, realm of social influence. They're not going to be people that you're very familiar with. In fact, this person is going to be from the edge of the earth as you know it. And this person happens to be a worshiper of God who happens to have a specific scroll from the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah who happens to talk about his particular situation. Now think of what the, what the eunuch has gone through. Gone to Jerusalem, worshipped on the outside because he couldn't be near. And he happens to be reading this prophet who says these words. Look at this, Isaiah 56 verse 3. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. That's surely what the eunuch felt. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. What is he saying? Those who do my ceremonies, my order of worship. Here's my promise for them. He is talking to this eunuch who's in the chariot on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, going back to the edge of the earth. And he happens to meet this guy named Philip. See what happens when we obey the green arrows of God? We get into some crazy cool situations where God has just set things up perfectly. Look at the promise this eunuch, I'm sure, is holding on to. Verse 4. Thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. I will give in my house, the house he can't go into, but he will be able to go into. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. He just so happens to be reading that prophet. Isn't that remarkable? You follow the green arrows of God and he will set things up perfectly. Look at how this situation just continues to unfold. I mean, we're going into unique, 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 odd, odd, odd. And God just keeps lining up the dominoes perfectly. Verse 28 of Acts chapter, verse 29 of Acts chapter 28. It says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. Now, Philip is probably a little, I mean, he sees the extravagance of this chariot. He knows this is a high official. And it's not proper for him because he's of lower social economic status for him to just, you know, start a conversation with this official. And so Holy Spirit, not an angel now, not an angel. It was an angel before, but now it's the, the very spirit of God says, hey, get up there. So he kind of runs beside him. Hey. I, I envision like, pardon me, do you have any grape poupon? Okay, see, there we go. 
my illustrations still work. Okay. <laughs> so he says, verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him, which is just crazy that that would happen. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading, that he just so happened to be reading, this is Isaiah 53. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before his shearers is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. This is just nuts right here. I mean, it's just gnarly. So this guy is reading, just so happens to be reading Isaiah 53, which is the perfect passage to use if you're going to have a conversation about what Jesus did on the cross. In fact, the New Testament writers, they quote this passage, I think, of Isaiah more than any other passage that he has in his large scroll. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 22 applies this very psalm, or sorry, this very uh, uh, prophecy to himself. He's saying, this is me. I am the innocent one. I am the one who's taken, and I'm silent in my trial. And that, that, that prophecy of Isaiah 53 just continues on. How he suffers under the hand of God. How he bears the transgressions and the sins of other people. How he dies and rises and extends life and righteousness to his people. This is the work of Jesus Christ. And this guy just so happened to be reading it when Philip came and obeyed the green arrows of God. Man, sometimes in our life, situations work like this perfectly. When I was a youth pastor, I had a moment, not like this, but definitely one where God was lining things up. I remember I was like taking all these kids like back to their house because like that's what happens when you're a youth pastor. Turns out you're a taxi driver. So youth pastors actually made up Uber, Uber before it was a thing. I just want you to know that. Yeah, so we, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? And gas is expensive. We got to pay our youth pastor more. There you go. Nobody else in the church said amen, so I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, that was the moment. No, I'm just kidding. Right? And so I'm like taking all these kids, you know, so I get kids in the front seat, kids in the back seat, kids in the trunk. Okay, a kid in the trunk, don't get, don't exaggerate. Okay, but there was waiver forms. Okay, this is when you're, be happy that Jacob's our youth pastor and not me. Okay, so I mean, there's just kids just piled everywhere, right? And we're driving back safely, we are. And, and so this kid in the back seat, I hear this voice from the back seat. And I, like I stop, we get like surplus or something like that, because that's what youth pastors do in our giant budgets. And, and so I was like, hey, man, you guys want a Slurpee or something? I get a Slurpee. And the kid in the back goes, hey, when are you going to save me? And I was like, what? Like, are you drowning? What do you mean? Like, what's going on back there? Like, I'm nervous now. <laughs> no. And it points to the friend in the passenger seat and says, yeah, he said that you could save me from my sin. I was like, wow, this is easy. You know, like, when does these moments happen? So I was like, okay, let's talk about that. Right? Shared the gospel. Yeah, I want to do that. Got baptized like the next Sunday. It was this wild moment. And you know what? Sometimes God does that. But let me be honest with you. Most of the time, it doesn't work like that. Most of the time, it's just years and years of prayer, 
of patience, of persuasive speech, of preparing meals, having people over, being in the moments of tragedy, finding those opportunities to share your story, to share your testimony, to, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, to invite them to events at church. Man, sometimes it just takes time. It just does. Most of the time it's like that. But there are times when you follow those green arrows of God and he sets it up perfectly. It's exactly what he did for Philip. Philip was sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And God set up that perfect moment. Right? Look at how this moment just continues to transpire. Verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, Isaiah 53, he told him the good news of Jesus. I'm glad you asked. Let me unfold this for you. Now, we don't get the whole breadth of that conversation, but it must have been a lot. And I think in that conversation, he told them about the good news of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. He was the one who suffered under the hand of God. He's the one who suffered for our sins. But he overcame victorious the penalty of our sin, death, by rising again from the grave. And he extends to us resurrection, life, and forgiveness and transformation. We can now be brought into the kingdom of God. And God wants us to respond to repent and to believe, and after that moment, to be baptized. Because look at the reaction he has, verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? So clearly, Philip said a lot more than what we have here. And he said, here's the response that God wants you to do. And what did the eunuch do? They went and got baptized, verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they would come up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Whoop. So maybe God invented the first Uber there. Just boom. The eunuch saw him no more and went away rejoicing. Not my reaction. If you and I are walking and talking and then you just miraculously disappear, I'm not rejoicing. <laughs> Unless you're a terrible conversationalist and I'm like, I don't care. Please stop talking, right? Right? I mean... But, hey, God just snatches him up. I mean, clearly, there's a lot of green arrows in here, right? You get the voice of an angel, you get the voice of the spirit, and then you get God, the Uber driver, whoop, lifts him up, takes him somewhere else. As you read that, should you be reading it in the sense of, like, this is what I should be waiting for? Because, like, I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of us, and I'll confess to you, I'll confess to this to you. We just kind of sit uh, on the sidelines. Hey, wonder when I'm going to get that voice. Wonder when I'm going to get that vision. Wonder when that angel's going to come. And we're all just kind of waiting. Right? Just waiting. And it's like it's like we're we're standing at the intersection, and the light's green. We're just, hmm, when's that arrow going to come on? When's that special moment going to happen? And I think Jesus is behind us, like laying on the horn. You know I said go, right? I said go. Did you need to hear it again? (laughs) I said go. See a green light. The nations are yours. Like, I can't, he can't make the boundary any bigger, right? He just r- rips all those walls down. 
No, man, just go. And think about for a people who knew so much of having separate behaviors and separate practices. His New Testament church goes out. He's like, it doesn't matter what day you worship. What? doesn't matter what you wear. What? doesn't matter what you eat. Those were big deals in the Old Testament. People died for not obeying the Sabbath. People were ceremonial and clean for days because of what they ate or what they wear. He starts the New Testament church and he's like, go for it. You want Gucci? Go in Gucci. You want Abercrombie? Go in. You want Kirkland? Go in Kirkland. Peace be with you. (laughs) That's me right there, right? I love that. I love seeing all the dads like dressed up and I could see your shorts and I'm like, I remember those Kirkland brand. That was three seasons ago at Costco. You and me, man. (laughs) Right, but he gives us so much liberty. Just go be creative. Just go. But we read stories like these and that's what we wait for. Now hear me, we should be inspired by these moments, inspired by these stories, but not constrained by them. If God shows up in a vision, listen. In a dream, listen. In a voice, listen. An angel comes, listen. But don't wait for those. For most of us, it won't be like that. And you know what? For Philip, most of his ministry life wasn't like that. Let me show you at the beginning of the end of this experience. So we read chapter 8. Look at the beginning of chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 4. Let me show you how Philip didn't wait. He didn't wait. He saw a green light. Verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Now those who were scattered went preaching the word. So there was a persecution that happened in the city of Jerusalem and it pushed out the followers of Jesus Christ. The apostles stayed in the city, but most of the church was pushed out. One of those people pushed out by the persecution was Philip. And it said, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Where's the vision? Where's the angel? Where's the voice? Where's the dream? It's not there. In fact, the setting of his commissioning was what? Persecution. It's not safe for me to be here anymore. Okay, I'll go over here. But I'm not going to wait because I have a green light. So where am I headed? Samaria? Cool. I'm going to tell Samaria about Jesus. At the end of this crazy story that we just had, all these green arrows showing up, look at verse 40. Acts chapter 8, but verse 40. But Philip found himself, again, God dropped him off. Uber kicked out. He gave God five stars because that's appropriate. He got out of the Uber and he found himself in Azotus, I don't know, somewhere in, in this land. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Where's the vision? Where's the dream? Where's the voice? He doesn't need it. Why? Because he has a green light for the world. So God dropped me here. Whoop. Where am I headed? I'm headed to Caesarea. What are you going to do on the way, Philip? Preach the gospel. When Philip got a green arrow, did he follow? Absolutely. Did he wait for him? No. And we got to stop waiting. We got to stop waiting. Don't wait. Don't wait. When you leave today and you leave these exits, you go out and there is a giant green light. Go. Just go. Where is that going to take you? To your neighbors? Sure. Nigeria? Sure. Maui? Sure. Go. Just go. What's the worst thing that happens? What's the worst thing that can happen? 
you fail for being faithful to the commission of Jesus Christ. Cool. If I'm going to fail, and I know I'm going to fail, might as well fail that way. Go out there. Just go crazy. You have the creativity to just be obedient. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear a sense of, like, like guilt. I don't want you to feel the sense of, like, oh, if I'm not going, I'm just, I'm a terrible Christian. I don't want you to hear that. Here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that God is inviting you to the most dramatic and significant experience you could ever have in your life. And that invitation is to see somebody's else, somebody else's eternal destination change. Imagine if every follower of Jesus Christ at sunrise was a Philip. You know, it's crazy. I shared this with the staff. It was probably like three weeks of being here. And I happened to be reading through the book of Acts, and I landed on Acts chapter 8. And I just remember thinking, like, God, fill us with Philip's. Give us Phillips. I, I don't know why God just pressed that on my heart, but that's, what, that's been my prayer from the start of being here. God, just give us Phillips, man. Give us Phillips. People are sensitive to the guidance of God. Yes, absolutely. They go with the green arrows. Absolutely. But see a giant green light over the world and just go. Man, would you give us that? Would you give us that? Because that would be awesome. That would be awesome. What, what could God do? Right? Imagine how God would just stretch the, our understanding of ministry. How God would just stretch our ministry map. How God would just, just tear apart our conventional thinking about what ministry looked like. If we just had all these hungry people that are like, you know what? I got an idea. I like to box. Let me use that for Jesus. Right? Or our new thing. Right? I like to skate. I mean, kids are going to go out there. They're going to get concussions outside of our property. Why am I get them on our property? Concussions for Christ. Right? Sounds like a good idea. We'll have them sign waivers, right? And I know the insurance company's like, are you sure you want that? Like, yes, we want that. What about those types of kids? Oh, what? What do you mean? That's it. Jesus died for them. And so if, if a skate ramp and some wood and some metal and some wax gets them here to hear about Jesus, I'm down with that. Let's do it. What if it doesn't work? Who cares if it doesn't work? Who cares? will fail being faithful, right? And I, I, I think even the peculiar situation of where Philip found himself, where did God send him? Samaria. You know what Samaria was? Samaria was like first century Portland. Like Samaria was weird. They, they started that, like keep Samaria weird. That was them, right? Quasi-spiritual, like there was some residue of traditional orthodoxy, but it got all messed up with all this spiritualism. Philip didn't care. He didn't care. Man, yeah, keep Samaria weird. Cool, you're weird. Can I tell you about Jesus? Like, we're not intimidated by the landscape of where God has put us. Why? Because God put us here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Me and you, we're here for a reason. Because God died. Christ died for those people. And there are thousands, if not millions, of spiritual orphans out there. And they need some crazy Phillips like you to go get them. So go get them. Go have a green light. Don't wait for the green arrows. If they come, awesome. But you better be going. You better be going and not waiting. And I tell you what, when you put somebody in that tank, because you shared the gospel with them, that'll mess you up. 
in a good way. And I hope every single person in this room who's a follower of Jesus Christ, I pray, you know, my, my prayer is that. My prayer is that every single follower of Jesus Christ will be, be able to baptize somebody. To put them in the tank and say, man, hey, your life was changed. And I got to be a part of it. Man, you want that. Christian, hear me. You, you want that. And you know what? This church has been filled with Phillips. It has. There's so many just awesome people who just see the green light over the world and just go. In fact, we have a really cool moment because we've got four guys who see the green light over the world. Four guys who are surrendering to the task of being a chaplain. So I'm going to invite those guys to come up on stage for us now. We're going to pray a commissioning prayer over them. These are familiar faces to you. Uh, Joel, Dale, Tom, and Tom. If your name is Tom, this is part of how it works here. Uh, Wayne, who provides leadership for the chaplains uh, in the Washington County. He's going to come and he's going to pray. But I'm going to ask these guys to kind of come up here. And uh, church family, they're going to receive a commissioning prayer. Wayne's going to pray that, but I want to invite you to pray that too. So if you'll stand to your feet, I want you to do this, just out of support for what God is doing in these men's lives. And, and we did the research. We asked the questions. Guess what? They didn't see an angel. They didn't get it a voice. And they didn't have a dream. But they had desires that grew and grew and grew as they'd be just obedient to what God is doing. And now, think about it. Think about when there is crisis in our county. These guys are going to be there, right? Right there in the middle of the mess. And I know you're looking at these guys, you're thinking, wait, do you have to be handsome to be commissioned? No, God uses ugly people, right? My wife said amen to that super loud first service. So I don't know what that means. Uh, but man, why can't this be you, right? Why, why can't we have you on the stage in a couple months or a year or whatever? Why not you? Why not you? Why not join these men? And say, here's the commissioning that God has in my life. Man, just go, just go. So church family, would you extend your hand towards the stage? I'm going to put my hand on these guys. Pastor Keith's up here as well. Wayne's going to pray for us. Let's just pray in support of these guys chasing after the green lights that God has put in their lives. Paul, go thank on. you. Thank you. Uh, the need is great. There's hurting people out there. Our world is hurting. And these men, and some of you, you just don't know yet, some of you are going to stand in the gap. And you're going to meet that need, and the Lord's going to use you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Paul's heart uh, for this church, moving it into the green light of our broken world. Thank you for the green arrows that we, um, we off, occasionally we get the blessing to see those. But most especially, I thank you for these men who uh, you've been at work in their lives, redeeming broken spaces, healing broken places, mending relationships, making them whole, making them vital, making them human, making them loving. And, Lord, we pray now, this church, uh, we pray as they prayed in Acts 13, Lucius and Simeon, as they sent Paul and Barnabas out, we're praying now that you will send these men out uh, into the broken places of the world, especially with first responders uh, who are showing up in people's lives on the worst day of their lives. Hmm. Pray, God, give them the right words to say, the discernment to be present in the right way, to follow your Holy Spirit into healing places, into offering a bottle of water or just a word of encouragement or just silence, hmm. just to be there with them. But thank you, Lord. You set these men apart for this special work and for 
this church who is um, backing them, praying for them, and being there, um, lifting them up, holding them up as they step out. And we love you, Lord, for being a God who uh, loves us and who pursues us daily. And we lift these men up to you. And everybody said? Amen.